0: May be seated in the name of the Lord we're going to go directly into the word of the Lord uh, and uh, and uh, study the word of the Lord tonight and I want to speak to you from one of the great uh, passages of scripture one of the great uh, stories if you please of the Bible uh, and it is from the book of Genesis chapter 22 and uh, in fact we're going to read that that passage of scripture but my My uh, topic tonight is uh, the sacrifice, the substitute, and the man with the knife. The sacrifice, the substitute, and the man with the knife. And we're reading from Genesis chapter 22, and uh, we're going to read a few verses of Scripture. While you're turning there, uh, let me just... Let me just state uh, the obvious for those who were here um, what an amazing Sunday we had in the house of God. My goodness God just showed up and showed out and blessed us all and what a what a wonderful day we had honoring our past and uh, rejoicing in the foundation uh, that he has given to us and we we thank the Lord for that and uh, we had about Uh, Close to 470 people in service. I don't know how we got them into the building, uh, but they were here. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. Uh, This coming Sunday, it's going to be a wonderful time in the house of the Lord. Uh, We're going to be celebrating our present. There are a lot of wonderful things that are happening uh, all around us. Uh, Miracles, signs, wonders, ministry that is happening uh, beyond these walls. And uh, we give God the glory for that. So we're going to take some time to rejoice in what the Lord is doing right now. And it's all a part of being ready now. Amen. And I I almost want to now call it ready right now. Ready right now immediately, Lord. At once. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Because God is doing a great thing. And let's, let's enjoy the journey. Let's just enjoy the journey that God is going to uh, help us to embark upon. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And God said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass and I, and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. And laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham Abraham said, My son God will provide himself. Hallelujah. A lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a bird offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. So I'm speaking tonight on this uh, subject: the sacrifice, the substitute, and the man with the knife. Uh, this passage of scripture is one of the most remarkable in the in the Bible, and it and it is a landmark passage. It is a very uh, crucial passage for the child of God, and even for uh, the children of Israel. Uh, and, and so when we look at it, it's very important that we understand what is happening here and then how it, it applies to us. Uh, it, in fact, you've heard perhaps that the Jewish people uh, pray uh, facing Jerusalem. Uh, regardless of where they are in the world, when they pray, those that are uh, orthodox in their practice, they will take the time to face Jerusalem, and they will pray. So the question uh, became, while I was in Jerusalem, where, where do they face you know, when they're in Jerusalem? Does it matter where they face uh, when they're in Jerusalem? Uh, can you just pray anywhere because you're there, and, and you don't have to face anything necessarily. But the answer is uh, that they're not actually facing Jerusalem. They're facing Mount Moriah. So when they're in Jerusalem, they still face Mount Moriah when they pray. So so when they are in Cincinnati, Ohio, and they're praying, and they're, yes, facing Jerusalem, but more specifically, they're facing Mount Moriah because of this experience that we just read about in Genesis chapter 22. Uh, This amazing experience. You see, God had promised Abram a son. He had let Abram know that he was going to provide him a son. And Abram uh, began to doubt this or, or at least questioned God. I should say it uh, better that way, that he, he would question God. Lord, what do you mean you're going to give me a child? I've been waiting, I've been trusting, and, I, and yet here I go childless. And he started doing something that we all do. He began to try to figure out what God meant. And he started to try to fit what God said into metaphors and analogies and allegories. And, and he said, oh, so by, by son, you meant like a son. So I've got Eleazar here who's a servant with me. And he's, he's my right-hand man. And, and he, he, uh, he helps me and assists me. And, and uh, that's what you mean, right? Eleazar is my son. Because, I mean, I'm well past. Sarah's well past childbearing age, and, uh, and and yet your promise is that I'll have a son, and I think I figured you out. You're going to make Eleazar kind of, you know, he's kind of like my son, and God said, you shall have a son, and your seed will be like the stars in the heavens, innumerable, the sands of the sea, innumerable. And, uh, and then, of course, the very fateful uh, decision that he and Sarah arrived at together that he would lie with Hagar, and then from that union came uh, a son named Ishmael who became a sworn enemy to Isaac, his his half-brother, and uh, and that war continues to rage to this day. And uh, Abraham uh, was was trying to believe, he was trying to have faith, and of course, when Sarah heard that the Lord was going to give her a child, she laughed, and uh, they wondered what God meant by this. But when God gives you a promise, he gives you a promise. You can hold on to it. You can stand on it. You can take it to the bank. You can take it to heaven. You can take it through the valley of the shadow of death. You can walk on water with it. You can walk around the walls of Jericho with it. You can preach to a valley of dry bones with it. When God gives you a promise, you can hold on to that word from the Lord. And so God Gave Abraham and Sarah this son Isaac. And this is what the Lord said. He said, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. The promises of God were going to flow through Isaac. And this was God's word to Abraham. That, that no, Eleazar is not a metaphor for you shall have a son. And Ishmael, your impatience and, and, uh, and lack of willingness to wait... It, it, that, that's not the direction that, that the promises of God will flow through. But the promises of God will flow through your union with Sarah, the miracle of birth through Abraham and Sarah, and Isaac shall be the promised son, and in Isaac shall your seed be called. And it was through Isaac and through Jacob and through the lineage, Judah on down, the lineage of Abraham where our beloved Messiah entered into this world thank God through a virgin birth and we give God the praise for that but it was something when God had given this promise to Abraham and Abraham was clinging to this promise it was some kind of a test of his faith when God shows up in Genesis 22 and and says take now thy son thine only son now he had Ishmael But God said, thine only son, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now folks, Abraham was a man of faith. This meant that he trusted God. This meant that he obeyed God. This meant that he obeyed God to his own peril. He obeyed God even when he was going to lose the thing or the things that he loved the most. He was going to obey and he was going to trust God. So there is no no, uh, evidence in the scriptures that Abraham uh, uh, even, even doubted or that he hesitated, that he had any trepidation at all. As a matter of fact, the scripture says just the opposite. He staggered not at the promise of God. And so he takes Isaac to Mount Moriah and he's going to offer him upon one of the mountains which God will tell him of. So God didn't even tell him which mountain. He just said, go walking and get Isaac and he's going to be the sacrifice and you're going to give him back to me. Now Abraham is holding on to the promise that in Isaac shall his seed be called. He's holding on to the promise that God has a plan for his life. And there all of a sudden, God interjects himself into Abraham's journey of faith and says, now I want you to give me what I gave to you. You're going to give me Isaac. And Abraham was like, let's do it. I'll trust God. i obey God. Now, his, his faith in this was so remarkable that, that you, you, you can't fully fathom it. And so we look into the book of Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament and there's an explanation given for this faith the writer said that by faith Abraham when he was tried and was to offer Isaac up unto the Lord that he accounted that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead so the reason that he did not stagger at the promise of God was because he had a revelation of the resurrection and he knew that God was, that God was absolutely going to, going to perform his promise through Isaac. And so he knew this because why? The word of the Lord that had already come to him. Let me tell you something. Nothing can separate you from the word of the Lord that has already come to you. When God gives you a word you stand on that word. Even when God begins to direct you in a direction that doesn't seem to make sense and doesn't seem to be consistent with that original word, know that you're being tested in your faith. And you can walk with God and know that he has all things in His under control and in his power. And he's going to direct you with divine wisdom. So Abraham's walking, saying, you know what? Either God's going to intervene... Or god's going to provide some kind of a substitute or god's going to raise isaac up from the dead because i already have a word that in isaac shall thy seed be called so he goes forward and and they see the mountain god says this is the mountain they go up to the mountain they're walking up the mountain isaac begins to realize they passed every opportunity to find a lamb for a sacrifice He sheepishly, no pun intended, sheepishly, actually there was a pun intended, so pardon me. He sheepishly looks at his father Abraham and says, dad, I noticed that there is no sacrifice. And it's starting to get a little eerie walking up this mountain with no sacrifice. You know, I'm not the sacrifice, am I? I mean, just joking. I mean, JK. (laughs) JK. No, I'm not, really. I'm I'm not sacrificed, right? No, seriously. Uh, And and they get up to the mountain, and and Abraham actually does strap him to the altar. And he begins to sharpen the knife, and he's prepared to, to perform this sacrifice. But before going up... Uh, into the high mountain of Moriah he let the servants know that were with him he said listen I want to tell you something I and the lad will go yonder and I and the lad will worship and I and the lad will come again to you hallelujah and he said he said to Isaac don't worry God will provide himself hallelujah I said God will provide himself a lamb. That's a oneness messianic reference to Jesus Christ becoming the lamb of God. Being the lamb of God. Slain from the foundation of the world in the thought processes of God. You say, how could Abraham know that? By revelation. The same way that he knew about the resurrection of the Messiah, he knew about the crucifixion of the Messiah. So God will provide himself a lamb. That's crucifixion. He accounted that God was able to raise him from the dead. That's resurrection. He understood exactly what was going to happen some way, somehow. When you are fully persuaded of the life, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you never have to worry about whether God is trustworthy. You never have to worry about whether or not you should be obedient to the Lord. Follow Him. Follow Him. Follow Him. Follow Him. Follow Him. Take up your cross and follow Him. In the name of Jesus, cast down your net and follow Him. Never be afraid to follow him hallelujah and abraham followed him into those those high places of sacrifice and 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 being willing to, to lay it all down all of his hope all that he believed for he was going to lay it all down let me let me just tell you something about god never be afraid to lay it all down for the lord I have found something out about God. Sometimes what he's asking you to sacrifice, sometimes he doesn't actually require you to sacrifice it. But he does want you to be willing to sacrifice it. And I, there, I've, seen it, I've seen it so many times. I, person after person, they'll say, I don't understand what's going on. It looks as if I'm going to lose. You can fill in the blanks. It looks like I'm going to have to make a decision and I'm going to have to lay down something that I thought was a gift from God and you can fill in whatever blanks those are I've seen it so many times and I come right back to Mount Moriah and I say you might be laying it down giving it all to God but, but, but understand God's got this way of creating a willingness inside of us to let something go only to bring some miraculous provision into the mix and say I was never going to require you to let it go at all but I have built you up in a most holy faith in this process of surrendering all so abraham gets to the top of the mountain and and he's sharpening his knife and he's got isaac strapped to the altar and he's going to raise his knife and and bless isaac's heart the bible doesn't describe exactly what what his reaction was but but he was right he was right in this with abraham trusting god being obedient to god he was a man at this time he didn't run off he didn't say, oh, you got to be out of your mind. I'm not going to a go mountain with you and your knife. <laughs> no, sir. That's not what happened. He trusted God with his father. He obeyed God with his father. And they went to the mountain. And he laid down and laid the wood in order. And Abraham is getting ready to, 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 to commence with the sacrifice. Folks, he got as far as raising the knife. And, and before that he could bring the knife down the angel of the Lord spoke to him. I mean, God like intervened and was like, wait, 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 hold up. Man, you, you are one obedient dude. Hold up. Do not slay your son, Isaac. I have prepared a ram. I prepared a substitute in the thicket. And, and Abraham, when he looks over and sees that ram rustling in the thicket. Now, I believe... That this was a moment that was referred to by Jesus as he was having a very intense conversation with the Pharisees. The Pharisees kept referring to Abraham and and, and trying to somehow position Jesus against Abraham in his teachings. And and Jesus began to explain to them, "You, you act like you understand Abraham. He said, let me explain something to you. Before Abraham was, I am. And then he said, as a matter of fact, Abraham rejoiced when he saw my day. And I just, I just have to ask somebody, when do you think Abraham saw the day of Christ? Now, it might have been multiple times because he saw, he saw types and shadow after type and shadow of Jesus Christ. But I know for sure in Genesis 22, he saw the day of Christ because what Jesus, what that lamb did for Isaac is what Jesus did for you and I. Folks, that was you and I on that altar. That was you and I with a sentence of death hanging over our life. That was you and I that was on the chopping block. That was you and I that was sentenced to utter, utter death and outer darkness. And the knife hung perilously over us. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God thanks be to God who have given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ask us to stop singing. Don't ask us to stop clapping. Don't ask us to stop dancing. Don't ask us to stop rejoicing. Don't ask us to stop lifting his name. Don't ask us to stop magnifying him. Don't ask us to stop exalting and extolling and lifting high the name of Jesus. I was on an altar of death and destruction. I was strapped with chains of bondage. The knife of God's judgment was going to fall upon me. But Jesus showed up. I said Jesus showed up. Oh yes he did. He showed up in the nick of time. Hallelujah. He went to my cross and he died my death. He went to my cross and he was wounded for my transgressions. He went to my cross and he was bruised for my iniquities. He went to my cross, hallelujah, and he took my shame and he took my penalty and he took my punishment, everything that I had coming to me. He took it all and he paid it all. Hallelujah. Yes, he did. I was the sacrifice. I was Isaac. I was strapped to the altar of my sin. Strapped to the altar of my shame. Strapped to the altar of my transgression against the law of God. And you know what? You, don't have, you, can, you can disagree all you want. It's still true. It's still true. Sin, folks, is the most damaging influence on this planet. The scripture says, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. My goodness, I've seen folks, I've seen folks commit sin, and then they go into that consequent stage. And that consequent stage is so rough, it's so difficult, it's so harsh. The scripture says, when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death and sin is just slapping them around abusing them and kicking them around and condemning them and they're, they're actually they want something to die and it won't die because sin's not finished with them yet you don't want to get tangled up in sin sin is a terrible cancer and, and every single one of us have been affected by it every single one of us have fallen prey to it the scripture says all have sinned all have sinned and come short of the glory of God there is not one of us hallelujah who comes to the fullness of the glory of God every single one of us comes short of the glory of the Lord all of us have sinned and all of us are the sacrifice you have got to believe that you have got to understand that do not let the devil tell you that this that that heaven is on this earth that you can somehow create a little utopia of your own in this world you'll never find it it's not in this world you're not going to find it in a relationship you're not going to find it in a bottle you're not going to find it in rolling up a weed you're not going to find it in this world money doesn't have it You hear what I'm telling you. It's not in this world. It's not there. We are subject to death. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Every single one of us are on a passenger train going to death and one by one we're taken off and and folks fall off here and folks fall off there. This world is, is vanishing before our eyes. Life is but a vapor. It absolutely vanisheth away after it appeareth for just a little while you're a sacrifice I'm a sacrifice and and, and it depends ladies and gentlemen on where we place our faith as to whether or not we will be able to enter into eternal life or enter into eternal death thanks be to God that he washes us that he cleanses us that he is hallelujah the substitute Because just when that knife was about to come down on me. And ladies and gentlemen, let me talk to you about that knife for just a moment. The scripture says that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. This knife, this is the knife that was going to fall upon Isaac. The word of God. This is the knife that's going to fall upon you in judgment. The word of God. It is the standard of this Holy Bible that will judge us. We are accountable to the words of this book. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit into the joints and marrow of the bone and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. This book is the final say where do we line up according to this book where do we fall short according to this book line upon line line upon line precept upon precept precept upon precept here a little there a little here a little there a little where do you line up In the word of God. Where do you line up in act according to Acts 2:38? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Where do you line up in the book of Ephesians 4 and 32? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, forbearing one another in love. Where do you line up, ladies and gentlemen, according to the word of the Lord? This is the, this is the knife that will judge us. And so Isaac was the sacrifice. But thank God before the, the word came down upon him. Before the knife of God's judgment came down upon him. There was a ram rustling in the thicket. And that ram rustling in the thicket is the substitutionary lamb. That stands in that thicket for all of us. Ephesians chapter 1. The scripture says in Ephesians 1 verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Notice Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember. That you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh. Hallelujah. Who are called uncircumcision. By that which is called the circumcision. In the flesh made by hand. That at that time, you were without Christ. That's sacrifice. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, we were the sacrifice. Strangers from the covenants of promise, we were the sacrifice. Having no hope, we were the sacrifice. Without God in the world, we were the sacrifice. But there was a ram rustling in the thicket. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law, hallelujah, of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby he came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the father now therefore you are no more strangers you are no more foreigners but you are fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I want you to know ladies and gentlemen. He replaced us on that altar with the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what the word of the Lord says in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians speaks to the same matter. The fact that God, hallelujah, was in Christ. Reconciling the world unto himself. And he talked about in the book of Colossians chapter 1, he said, it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, verse 19, verse 20, having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in heaven or things in earth, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now hath Jesus reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Oh, hallelujah. So yes, we were the sacrifice. Yes, we were strapped to the altar. Yes, we were in chains of bondage. But there was a substitute in the thicket, a ram that came to our rescue. Amen. And we should praise him every day. And we should pray without ceasing. And we should, and let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. And we should do all things without murmuring and disputing. Because he saved us. Because he rescued us. Because he brought us out. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If that doesn't give you joy in your day, then you're just not praying. You're just far from God. You're drifting. You're backsliding. you got to get your mind focused on him again and rejoice in the God of your salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's get this picture. There's Isaac strapped to an altar. The knife hangs perilously over over his body. It's going to fall. God said that it had to fall. God said that he had to be sacrificed. The law was in effect. He is sentenced to die. He's the sacrifice. But there's a ram rustling in the thicket. Caught in the thicket by his horns, the Bible says. And he is there as a substitutionary sacrifice. There's still an issue. The issue is that there stands between the sacrifice on the altar and the substitute in the thicket a man with a knife. This man with the knife will either let the knife fall upon the sacrifice or he will use the very same knife that was intended to sacrifice Isaac and he will use it to break the chains and break the bondage and release him from the altar and bring the substitute to the altar and commence with the sacrifice of the substitute instead it all depends on the man with the knife i want you to know ladies and gentlemen when you get the word of god in your heart When you get the word of God, the word of understanding, the word of revelation, the word of knowledge. When God puts it in your spirit and puts it in your heart, you become the man with the knife. And you get to decide whether or not you're going to use this knife to help people be free. Or whether you're going to sheath it and just let it lay dormant in your life. God didn't give you the Holy Ghost so you could walk around being proud that you spoke with tongues, being proud that you had an experience with God, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. God didn't give you the Holy Ghost so that you could just make it to heaven, quickened by the power of God. God didn't give you remission of sins, wash your sins away, so that you alone could, could, could... Enjoy that experience. But God saved you so that you could make a way for others. God saved me so that I could make a way for others. He put this sword in my hand. Hallelujah. So that I could break chains off of somebody's life. He gave you understanding of repentance so that you could tell somebody about the message of repentance. He gave you understanding of Jesus' name baptism so you could tell somebody about Jesus' name baptism. He gave you understanding of the Holy Ghost and power so that you could tell somebody about the Holy Ghost and power. Hallelujah. If you could see in the Spirit, you, could, you would see people strapped to altars, bound, bound bound by their riches don't envy the wicked they're bound by their riches don't envy those that are lost. Don't envy those that are that are that are, seem to have it all in, according to the world's standards. But you need to see them as God sees them. They're bound in darkness. They're bound by the chains that they've let encircle them. And it's up to us to preach this gospel like we've never preached it before. It's up to us to lift high the name of Jesus. It's up to us to pray and fast. It's up to us to worship and create an atmosphere of worship in His presence. So that when the lost come into this house. They walk into a place that is poignant with the power of God. Why, why, why? Because they need somebody to use the knife to help set them free. Hallelujah. Use the word of the Lord. Don't don't use the sword irresponsibly. But use the sword responsibly. Notice that when... Notice that when Jesus was about to be taken captive, that the soldiers came upon him in this place where he had resorted thither often. Judas led them to the place. And when the soldiers proceed to take him, the Bible says that Peter like whips out a sword. And Jesus was kind of like, where did you get that? And Peter just, I mean, he just goes like Zorro on everybody he takes the sword and he chops, like he chops Malchus's ear off. And so, like, this ear just falls down onto the ground. And Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back on his head, heals him, and tells Peter, Put up your sword. Now, see, here's the thing: M- Malchus is gonna need that ear. And you know why? So he can hear Peter preach. The Bible literally says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Let him hear, Peter, what the Spirit saith to the church. He's going to need that. Don't use your knowledge of the Bible to chop off the part that a person will need in order to hear the gospel. There have been too many people irreparably wounded by folks who are irresponsibly wielding the sword. They just, they got, they got, they got whatever scriptures they've, they've gained knowledge of and they're just flinging them around and cutting people up. And, no, 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 no. This sword isn't supposed to be cutting people's ears off. This is a surgical instrument. It divides a son to the soul and the spirit. It deals with the invisible stuff. And it's to be handled skillfully. It's to be handled with meekness. It's to be handled with wisdom. It's to be handled with love. Hallelujah. And so, so when we just start like cutting stuff and cutting people's ears off, we're just, we're just creating a hardship for them down the road to be able to hear the gospel. And you know, we as the body of Christ... We have a lot of work to do. So many people that you witness to, what do they say to you? How many times do they say it? I want nothing to do with religion. You know why they don't want anything to do with religion? Because there have been a lot of people who, like Simon Peter, just started just cutting stuff up. And they come home from church and they got a big Z in their coat and they're like, what? I know Zara was running around the church today. They're, they're wounded by the way we mishandle the word of life. When we're contrary to the law this will judge us but when we are putting our faith in Jesus Christ this will save us. The very same knife that was to judge him was used by Abraham to loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. And so so we have to be responsible with the word of God and 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 there are people that you're going to meet and you're going to encounter them. God put them in your path. Everybody say that. God put them in my path. You don't have to ever question it again. I wonder if God put them in my path. He did. You know why? Because you have a knife. They've got chains. You've got a knife. They've got bondage. They've got binding fetters that are holding them in in captivity. And you've got a knife and you know where the ram is. Did God put them in your place? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. uh, But I only have five minutes. Then use all five minutes to take that knife and do something with it. Do something with it. Pick that lock on those chains. Whatever you got to do. But just drop something into their spirit. Put something into their mind. Put something into their heart. Hallelujah. Speak life unto them in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and let that testimony flow out of you. Let that, let that exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ flow out of you. And, you know, we talk about the fruit of the spirit. And, and, and it's important that we understand that the fruit of the spirit is, is, is the fruit of the spirit Because it has the seed, which is the word of God, inside of it. That's what makes love fruit. Because the word is in love. Natural fruit is the same way. What constitutes natural fruit is if it has seed in it. So blueberries and strawberries. Strawberries have the seed on the outside. You know, kiwi seeds. uh, 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 Nectarine has a big pit. Uh, apple seed, pear seed, on and on. The seeds, that, some of them are so small you can hardly see them, but they're there. And that what's, that's what constitutes a fruit. And so when you're, talking about, when you're talking about spiritual fruit, spiritual fruit also has seed in it, the Word of God. Love has the Word of God in it. That's why a deed is a seed. When you demonstrate love, you're putting the Word of God in somebody's heart. When you demonstrate joy, you're putting the love of God into somebody's heart. When you demonstrate peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If, if, if somebody has an individual in their life who is demonstrating the fruit of long-suffering, they have a priceless treasure in their life. If they have somebody in their life who is demonstrating the fruit of Temperance, they have a priceless treasure in their life. You can be the priceless treasure in your coworkers' lives. Because the fruit of the spirit can be in you and abounding. And that is, and you say, well, they won't let me set up a search for truth chart in my in my cubicle. That, that's fine. Then let, let the fruit of the spirit do the preaching for you. Let love do the preaching for you. Let joy do the preaching for you. Let peace do the preaching for you. Hallelujah. You are living epistles read and known of all men. Be the book of Ephesians walking around your office. Hallelujah. Be, be, be Psalm 150 walking around your office. Be the, book, be the book of Colossians walking around your office. Be Philippians 4 and 8. Whatsoever things are pure and whatsoever things are good, and whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest and of good report. Think on these things. Be Philippians 4. Or eight walking around your factory walking around your workplace wherever you are hallelujah why because there are sacrifices all around you and the judgment of God is coming and there's a ram rustling in the thicket but 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 God is looking for an intercessor who will stand in the gap and that gap is the gap between the sacrifice and the substitute between them is a, is a man with a knife or a woman with a knife. Somebody, somebody with the sword of the spirit. Hallelujah, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. You know, you know there's something getting a hold of us, ladies and gentlemen. There's something getting a hold of us. There's a witnessing spirit getting a hold of us. Don't you don't you get complacent with your Christianity? This is time to be bold. This is time to testify of the goodness of God. This is time to open up your mouth and let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Shine all over Cincinnati. I'm gonna let it shine. Hallelujah. We were here for a we were here for a, 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 a preparation for last Sunday's services, and uh, and uh, somebody my my girls ordered Jimmy John's. It was fast delivery. I've seen so many Jimmy Johns in wrecks and pulled over by police. <laughs> it's fast delivery. And they like made the call and ordered the Jimmy Johns. And like 20 seconds later, this guy's walking in. And I, was, and I didn't have my wallet on me. And I was said, oh, man, I got to go. If you could bear with me. And so I said, you could follow me. And so, so he went with me to my office. And he, on the way up, he said, so are you guys like, are you guys, like, is this like a rehearsal or something? I said, well, kind of, we're, we're getting ready for church tomorrow. Tomorrow we're launching a campaign. We're planting the tree of life right here in Cincinnati, Ohio. The leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. We spent the next 25 minutes. I don't know what other orders he had to get out, but we spent the next 25 minutes. Hallelujah, talking about Jesus, talking about the blood of Jesus, talking about life everlasting, life eternal. Hallelujah, come on somebody. Did he cross my path on purpose? You better believe he crossed my path on purpose. God said, I want him to deliver that sandwich hallelujah yes absolutely God put him in my path and I don't know what will come of that but I was going to make sure that the seed which is the word of God would get in his heart and don't you don't you kid yourself it will not return void now he may walk in here and get the Holy Ghost get baptized in Jesus name and go preach the gospel to all of Asia I don't know but 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 that may not happen quite like that but it will not return void I do know that I do know that. Hallelujah. So sow the seed, sow the seed, sow the seed. The scripture says a sower went forth to sow. That's it. He didn't go forth to sow and then wonder why he didn't reap and then get discouraged and stop sowing. No, no. He went forth to sow. Just throw it out there. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is good. Jesus is great. Hallelujah. God bless the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, say, So, uh, I, this week we had a, a guy come in, and uh, he was helping us with a, some uh, video work, and uh, and so he had to video me, and so he was he was getting a video shoot, and it was it had to do with uh, a uh, had to do with a funeral home, and I. Uh, so when we finished the the interview. I said, you know, death is the most unnatural thing. And he said, um, kind of nodded his head. Okay. And I said, we we were never supposed to die. We were always supposed to live forever. And so he's like packing up his camera equipment and he looks over at me and he said, you mean spiritually, right? I said, I mean everything. We were never supposed to die. This was supposed to live forever and ever. And he said, okay, I've never heard anybody say that before. So he said, um, what are you talking about? And I explained to him, I said, when Adam and Eve sinned, death came with it. Sin never comes by itself. See, see, we, 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 have, we go for the pleasure of sin, but what we don't realize is there's a hook in it. And you're going you're gonna to get caught by death when you go for sin. And death came with him. Death was never supposed to be in this world. And I said, that's why Jesus entered the picture. And he lived the life we're supposed to live but can't live. I said he lived a life of perfection without sin. I said that's why he went to the cross. And that's why we call him the Lamb of God. Because he's innocent. And when he died, he rose from the dead. Because he's qualified to live forever. I'm not qualified to live forever. But if I'm baptized into Jesus Christ, then I can live forever. You know what he told me? He said, you know what? It's not by accident that I'm talking to you. I'm grateful to have been able to meet you. And I believe everything happens for a reason. I said, you're right. It happened for a reason. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know what will happen there. But what I do know is that his word will not return void. I've got a knife and you better believe I'm going to use it. I said, I've got a knife, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's quick and it's powerful, and it'll do the work of God in our city. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible said, Bible said one of David's men had a sword and he fought the battle. And he was the only one. And he used that sword in the middle of that hot battle. And he fought until every enemy was defeated. And when it was over, his hand clave unto the sword. He couldn't let it go. I'm going to tell you something. You're in the heat of a battle. You got to get your hand around this sword. I mean, grip this thing. Grip the Psalms. Grip the Proverbs. Come on, get a hold of it. Wrap your hand around the major prophets. Wrap your hand around the Gospels. Wrap your hand, hallelujah, around the Pauline epistles and the general epistles. Wrap your hand around Joshua, Judges, and Samuel, and Chronicles, and Kings. Wrap your hand around the Word of God. And get through that battle. And when you get through that battle, your enemy will be defeated. And your hand will never let go of the sword. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of God. And you're going to walk into your, into your workplace. And you're going to have a, a sword in your hand. And, you're, and you might as well get used to it. You'll try to lay it down. You can't lay it down. Your hand cleaves into the sword. You're going to go get a drink from the water fountain and push the button. A big sword's going to be in the way. Try, try. It's, it'll always be with you. And that's all right. Let the sword go with you. Set the captive free hallelujah set the captive free i i, I one more story I, i'm gonna close i remember i remember when i was a teenager and uh, i would walk into village pantry we had village pantries in indiana and uh and and it was kind of like a udf and uh and we had one on every corner it seemed and so i was i just started driving uh my car and and uh and I would, every morning before school, I would, I would stop in at the village pantry and I would get a Thor Spring Water. We don't have those anymore either. They were good. And I'd get Chips Ahoy cookies. And, uh, and every morning, I mean, it was just like Thor Spring Water, Chips Ahoy cookies, and off to school I'd go. It was a real healthy breakfast, cha- breakfast of champions. And, and so I'd walk in and, and there was Beverly behind the counter. And and Beverly uh, would I'd greet her. I'd say, "How are you doing this morning, Miss Beverly?" And she'd say, "I'm doing all right." And how are you? And I'd say, "I'm okay." And and I'd get my Thor spring and my chips ahoy. And it was every morning, every morning. And I'd talk to her and just I just, I honestly thought nothing of it. But one day I walked in and she was crying. And uh, and it kind of unnerved me. I didn't realize it until I got up to the counter and I set my big bottle of water down, and my big cookies down, and I look up, and she's crying, I said, are you okay, and she said, no, I'm not okay, I'm sorry for crying, I, I, I'm sorry, I, this isn't, I shouldn't be crying in front of customers, I said, that's okay, I said, I said, is everything all right, she said, no, it's not all right, and she began to pour her heart out about her life, and what was wrong, and everything that was challenged and then she said but i want to ask you a question why every time i see you are you joyful and folks i, I don't know what she was seeing cuz i'm not mr joy all the time i'm not Joyal Urshan. i'm i'm not it didn't happen it didn't happen quite didn't happen quite like that it's the holy ghost she was seeing the holy ghost and i said Miss Beverly, let me tell you who Jesus is. Hallelujah. And, and every problem you have, he can minister to it right now. He can minister to you. We prayed right there in the middle of Village Pantry over Thor Spring Water and Chips Ahoy cookies. And I thank God. I'll never forget that Sunday when she walked into the house of God and lifted up her hands. straight, Tears streaming down her face. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Every person you come in contact with, they're strapped to an altar and there's judgment coming. And you've got the thing that will set them free. You've got the sword. You've got the... Knife, you've got the Word of God, you've got it in your heart, in your mouth, it's there. Scripture says that out of His mouth went forth a two edged sword, which is the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. The Word of faith is nigh thee, even in thy heart. Open up your mouth and set the captive free. Thank you, Jesus. Can we lift up our hands and praise the Lord right now? Thank you, precious Jesus. Oh, glory to your name. Oh, glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. To your name. Come on, let's stand to our feet and praise him. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Years ago, years ago, we were we were traveling from Kokomo, Indiana to Amarillo, Texas. We were going to be preaching the uh, Texaco camp meeting. And... Um, and so, and we were driving it, and, uh, and, and Sophia, when she was a baby, uh, she had a, a condition where she would develop infections, and, and that infection uh, could create a, uh, it, was, it would be an infection in her kidney, and it would create high fevers. It was something she was to outgrow and did, thank the Lord. Uh, but in that first year of her life, it was, it was really challenging because if her fever went above a certain temperature, we had to get her directly to the emergency room so that they could, they could begin to address that infection. We never knew if it was a, a little flu bug or if it was this kidney infection and we could not risk it. So the doctor had her on antibiotics every day and, um and it was just something we were praying about and dealing with that first year so we're on our way to texaco camp meeting and we had stopped in joplin missouri on the way there and um uh, and uh i, I she, we woke up that morning and she had like a really low grade temperature and so it seemed like a little like a little passing flu bug or something we were monitoring it and sister heidi was checking on it and and uh we kept on driving. We got to about Oklahoma City and we stopped to put fuel in the car and, and uh, we checked her temperature and in just a very short period of time it skyrocketed to near 105 degrees. It, it totally uh, dumbfounded us. We, we immediately rushed to the Oklahoma City Hospital downtown, went into the emergency room and it's Saturday night we're going to be preaching sunday morning in amarillo that's not happening now we're we are in oklahoma city now on saturday night and and we're fearful because our baby is suffering and and this temperature skyrocketed and it's it's very obviously we think it's very obviously this kidney infection and we don't know what that's going to mean and we're just we're just worried and we get into the hospital and I step out of the room for a moment and I go to pray. And I said, God, you are the healer. I said, you could, you could step into that hospital room and heal our baby girl right now. You can do it. And God, I don't understand why you haven't done it already. I said, Lord, don't you know we're supposed to be preaching in the morning in Amarillo. and And, and here... The enemy has come against us and we're in the hospital and our baby is suffering and God, this doesn't make any sense to me. Lord, just come on in and, and, and heal her. I, I, Lord, I don't even know why we're here. You could change all of this. I said, why are, why are we here? And, and, and right then a man walked up beside me and said, why are you here? I said, that's what I'd like to know. And he said, well, I'll tell you why I'm here. He said, I've been... Struggling with suicidal thoughts. He said, I can't kick the depression. He said, I've been, I lost my wife several years ago. And he began to pour his soul out in the middle of that emergency room. And all of a sudden I realized, okay, now I know why we're here. <laughs> He began to minister to him and weep with him and pray with him and share the word of the Lord with him. And I began to call ministers and try to put him in contact with pastors. And, and, uh, and, and when I finished conversing with him, I went back into the room where Sophia was. And there the doctor stood and said, the fever has completely broken. She has no kidney infection. She never did. She's fine. She's fine. We don't know what happened but everything is okay y'all are free to go i said thank you lord i'm gonna tell you something ladies and gentlemen he was really serious when he said i've come to seek and save that which was lost he was very serious about that he was very serious about that and i believe i'm preaching to a congregation of people who are ready to get this sword in their hand Hallelujah! Come on, put on the helmet of salvation. Let your loins be girded about with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let your feet be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And take this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And above all, take the shield of faith. And let's go win souls. And let's go reach the lost. And let's go find those that are hurting and broken. And bound to an altar of judgment to come. somebody. I want you to praise God right now. We are a victorious people. We are a victorious people. Don't be distracted by what the enemy is throwing against you. He's just trying to distract you from the field that is ready to harvest. He's trying to distract you from the field that is ready to harvest. But it's not going to work in Jesus' name. I want us to lift up our hands all across this sanctuary right now. And I want you to let that a a new and a fresh anointing come upon you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. A new and a fresh anointing come upon you right now in the name of the Lord. You're standing between the sacrifice and the substitute. God has positioned you between his saving grace and the lost souls of humanity. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for a new anointing. We pray for a fresh anointing in the name of Jesus to preach the gospel to pray the prayers of intercession in Jesus' name. Lord God, give us boldness and give us wisdom and give us compassion and give us a love for lost souls. Give us a new and a fresh passion in the name of Jesus. Break every chain. Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. chain to break every chain to break every chain oh, hallelujah